On today's episode of the Ask the Planner podcast, we're talking about a new holistic way to approach your wedding beauty. And no, it's not what you think. Whether you're planning your wedding, already picked out your beauty team, or you're a vendor in the wedding space, you're going to love hearing all that my guest has to share today on beauty, skincare, and looking and feeling your best on the wedding day and just in life in general. So grab your headphones or settle into your driver's seat because this is a good episode. You're listening to Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, owner of Verb Event Co., a company whose mission is to help couples enjoy planning the contemporary, sophisticated wedding they've always imagined. Together with other wedding industry experts, we reveal the crucial details and industry secrets that will help you plan and enjoy your flawless heirloom occasion. So pop your favorite champagne because we have a wedding to plan. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, and today we're talking about a new way to look at wedding beauty with a skin and spirit-focused approach with my guest, Erica Martell of Erica Renee Beauty. So who is Erica? Erica Martell is a seasoned makeup artist and the co-owner of Erica Renee Beauty, curating skin and spirit-focused luxury hair and makeup experiences for filmed events. Erica is known for her modern, clean, skin-focused aesthetic, her calming, laid-back demeanor, and her ability to make people feel like a million bucks. And who doesn't want to feel like a million bucks? Born in California, then raised and educated in Connecticut, she was influenced early on by the supermodel and magazine culture of the 1990s, but she got her start in the world of theater, studying costume design, theatrical makeup, and wigs at Emerson College in Boston, graduating with a degree in theater studies and design technology. She then immediately moved to New York City and reached out to her fellow Emerson alumni, makeup artist Bobby Brown, who connected Erica with her team, and she soon fell into the fashion and beauty world there. She worked as a freelance makeup artist in New York City for a few years and then stepped away from makeup to work as a fashion photography producer, where she was fortunate enough to work and travel the globe alongside some of the world's most prominent fashion photographers, designers, supermodels, celebrities, and retailers for many years. But she came back to beauty. The transformative power of makeup has been a lifelong passion of hers, although these days she's much more interested in makeup as a tool for transforming the way women feel. The connections she makes when she's invited to share intimate spaces with women are what she values most in her career. In addition to her wedding work, she is a well-traveled working makeup artist with television, media, commercial, and editorial clients, bringing a well-rounded arsenal to her work. It has always been where the fashion, theater, production, and hospitality worlds intersect that she is most aligned and inspired by. In 2019, after years of being worn down by her husband to move to the beach, they bought their dream house in South Kingston, Rhode Island, which is now her home base, where the light and open spaces by the ocean are incredibly inspiring and where she loves coming home even more now. Guys, I'm so excited to talk to Erica. Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Can't wait to talk. Thanks for having me, Desiree. So nice to see you again. Yay. Awesome. Okay. So first, I love to start each episode getting to know our guest a little bit before we dive into your interview. I read your bio at the top of the episode, but I would love for you to tell our listeners more in your own words about you, how you got started, all the things. Yeah, the bios talks mainly about my background, but I will just touch upon how I started specializing in the wedding world. So after we moved out of New York City, 
I had a fashion and production background and outside of New York, there's not a whole lot of that going on. After I had my son, I decided that I wanted to maybe think about getting back into doing makeup again. I reached out to a local, to me at the time, like bridal team kind of like your your classic like salon, traveling, hair and makeup services for weddings. And she brought me on and I then kind of forayed into the bridal world from there. I was with that team for about three years, kind of cut my teeth in the industry and learned about people's preferences and whatnot. And I started to realize that there were certain things that I felt disconnected from in the beauty space as far as weddings was concerned. There is a whole lot of very heavy-handed work out there, a lot of airbrushing, a lot of big strip lashes, a lot of the bridal beauty. I was just noticing that everybody was kind of trying to look almost the same. I basically was like, if I want to keep doing this, I want to do this my way. And so about three or four years after I was there, I decided to go off on my own. And then I started to hone my skills as far as bringing in my fashion preferences and background into the world of weddings. Fashion and red carpet beauty especially, tends to be more nuanced, very skin-focused, bringing out people's unique individual looks and personalities throughout their beauty. What does it mean to be a clean beauty specialist? So clean beauty, as far as the makeup industry terminology goes, is considered to be a a no-makeup makeup look right? That's probably the best way to describe it. And there's a number of ways to get there. But ultimately, aesthetically, it's a no makeup makeup look. In the last decade or more, really, since the whole clean product, green beauty thing has come along, I think that people started to associate clean beauty with chemical-free, no toxins, in you know, no fragrance and things like that. While I always strive to use something that has like the least amount of like garbage as far as ingredients is concerned, I am not exclusively a green beauty. Why is that? Basically because although the technology has been kind of amazing with what they can do with certain lines, ultimately it's not the most long wearing stuff, right? So the green beauty products are things that maybe I'll use in like our everyday life, something that you're going to kind of touch up, but you're not going to necessarily rely on those products for 12 hour, 15 hour wear, right? People are talking about clean girl vibe, which is more of how some people are describing what you would probably consider right now as like the Hailey Bieber-esque beauty. Skin-focused, slick back hair, very, very little eye makeup, just kind of focused on a very like neutral tones, kind of stepping away from like the classic Kardashian explosion that we've seen in the beauty world, right? Everywhere, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I started honing my craft as far as the clean aesthetic was concerned years ago. And I have kind of 
developed a reputation for being a go-to as far as somebody who is maybe a zero makeup wearer in their lives or a very little, like a swipe of mascara and a little, you know, tinted moisturizer or something. And a lot of brides are wanting to look like that version of themselves, a very elevated, polished version of themselves. So um, that's what I love most to do. I, you know, when I see a lot of the heavier handed bridal work out there, there's a lot of like people showing befores and afters. And I always prefer the befores. I, (laughs) I very rarely look at an after and think, oh yeah, she really needed that. (laughs) You know, I just want to kind of go in and scrub people's faces down and kind of do it in a really subtle, nuanced way. That's kind of where I went as far as my, you know, fusing my fashion background and like my love for red carpet and my love for clean beauty into the bridal world. I think that's fascinating. And I think it completely makes sense given what you were doing before doing all the bridal and then how you thought it was, which I think is great, how you thought it was important really, and I kind of agree, to more like augment what you already have. And, you know, so it can be photographs and your look will last forever. You know, I think like it's different if you just step out of your house and don't have on anything and you're being photographed. And, you know, I think there's natural, but I think it won't look the same, right, when you're being photographed. So I think it's awesome that you were able to identify it And then you were able to go against that and say, like, that's not the look that I want to be creating. I kind of feel like, no offense, guys, I kind of feel like it's the Real Housewives of New Jersey, like lots of fake eyelashes, very, very long. And like, I totally know what you mean with the before and afters on Instagram, because it's like they wipe their face, you know, they do that little switch and it's like a completely different looking person, which like, you know, your fiance fell in love with you. Yes, maybe you wear makeup, but like if you look like someone completely different on your wedding day, I don't know. They might be like, who's this person? So I think it's awesome. I think a lot of my couples, the brides I talk to you for are really into that. Like I don't wear makeup or I barely wear any. I might wear lip gloss to a wedding. I want to feel like myself on the wedding day, but maybe just a little bit more. But I don't know what that looks like or feels like and how to do that. Yeah. I find because we, my partner Renee and I, we we hear a lot of the same stories. They're having very negative experiences out there or yes, it was fine and it photographed well, but I looked like a drag queen in person and that is fine. Like there are so many wildly talented makeup artists out there that for the bride who wants full glam or, you know, quote, quote, soft glam looks, which are more of like when you think of like the Kardashian neutral tones, shit ton of makeup that they're wearing, you know, I really wanted to approach it with my knowledge of photography techniques and lighting and lighting is everything and how somebody is going to be photographed. But I really wanted to figure out a way to make people who didn't want that full glam to feel seen and stunning and very high-end and elevated versions of themselves. I love that. I think that's awesome. So let's get into, I think this is a really good segue into what we're going to talk about today. So 
getting back to the basics, because I know how you talked about like the clean beauty look. As I age, I feel like I think more and more about my skin than I used to. And I'm Filipino. So my mom was always like, don't be in the sun. Don't get any sun. Like hide, you know, but skincare is definitely becoming more important. I feel like it's even more important. Like people just talk about it more than they used to anyways. But I know skincare definitely does affect how you look on your wedding day because you're it's like the canvas for your beauty, whatever you're doing. Let's back up a little bit and talk about why skincare before we even talk the makeup is so important as far as you as a makeup artist or beauty person. There's a number of reasons why it's important, but specifically related to makeup applications and more specifically related to makeup that is the style that I do that is more of a clean kind of pulled back approach. If your skin is dehydrated, sun damaged, you know, not exfoliated, you know, whatever is going on with your skin, the makeup is just going to look like makeup. And when somebody wants to take really great care of their skin and they come down and we do a full skin prep and they've already been prepping for months in advance, I am able to use the tiniest amount of pigmented product to get the results where the makeup is undetectable. Things get completely absorbed into the skin. You're seeing the skin radiate from all angles and different lighting, and it decreases texture. So one of the things with makeup that is just a stone cold fact is that any makeup that you apply will enhance texture, period. Okay. So if you're dealing with the texture of your skin underneath and the texture is really as like soft and supple and hydrated as possible, then you are not going to physically see the makeup sitting on the surface of the skin in the same way that you would otherwise. It also helps with things like makeup wearing longer. It just kind of freezes your youth in a way. You know, I look at weddings, especially as like a time capsule. Like this is this one day, this point in time that you're going to be the most looked at and photographed ever, right? In theory. And as the years go on, you will age and you will inevitably want to look back at that time capsule and say, that's when I was like peak beauty, peak gorgeous, peak joy, all the like, you know, positive vibes in the life. And, you know, life can get messy and we want to look back and remind ourselves, right? The skincare, you know, it helps. It also helps because it makes you feel really good. It is important for comfort. A lot of people will say like, I don't want to feel like I have like so much stuff on my skin. The better your skin prep is, the less you will actually feel like you're wearing anything. Like my goal is always weightless and comfortable. And I want somebody to, when we're done with the makeup, to not think about the makeup for the rest of the night. So going along with that, what do you think baseline, if someone's like, I don't really do a lot, but I need to do something, what do you think would be a baseline skincare routine for someone that's getting married? bride or groom, because, you know, they might get makeup too. Yes, totally. I turn a lot of 
my bride's grooms on to skincare as well. (laughs) So essentially, what is the baseline? Rule number one, and probably the most important rule, is do not go to sleep without removing your makeup and washing your face. And if you're not wearing makeup, wash your face before bed. I cannot stress this enough, and I'm not a shame or blame person, but I hear a lot of people like, oh, I don't feel like it, or it's, you know, they don't like the the feeling of the water running down their arms, or they get tired, or they forget, or whatever. Just that step alone will be transformative if it's not something that you have been doing regularly. On your darkest hour, like, you need to have that little voice in the back of your head that says, rise and wash your face, right? (laughs) I love the rise. Rise. (laughs) Get up. I know you're tired. I know you just want to go to sleep on the couch right now and like rub like the mascara into the pillow. Get up and wash your face. And washing your face is not just a makeup remover wipe. Okay. There are some people like, yeah, use a Neutrogena wipe or something. It's not enough. That will remove makeup, but then you need to physically wash your face. So wash your face. And we can talk about the different ways there's, you know, oil cleansers and foaming cleansers and milky cleansers and just wash your face. Okay. So baseline would be wash your face before you go to bed. And then you are going to moisturize. And I want to say that exfoliation needs to be in that like three-step baseline at minimum what you do. Exfoliation does not happen have to happen every day. It can be something that happens once a week, twice a week. There are some gentle ones that you can use every single day, but if you don't exfoliate, then the dead skin that inevitably sits on top of the surface of our skin will just build up, build up, build up. And when you go to moisturize, there's a barrier and it won't penetrate. Okay. So you want to be able to make sure that you exfoliate in order for your skincare to go deeper. There are times where I would say wash and moisturize twice a day before bed and in the morning. It depends. The trick with skincare is that it is nuanced and what works for one person is not going to work for somebody else. Also, I need to, I should have said this at the top of the show, I am not a licensed esthetician. I have good friends that are estheticians. Technically, I am a licensed esthetician in Connecticut because their like laws are <laughs> bizarre and they grandfathered me in, but I don't practice any kind of aesthetic services. So, you know, take my advice with a grain of salt, but as a makeup artist who is skin focused, I would say that you want to either wash your face in the morning and night, or if you tend to be on the drier side, or if it's like you're, we're in New England and it's drier in the winter, I am not washing my face in the morning. I'm like, maybe I'm giving like a splash of water and rinsing, but I'm not necessarily washing first thing in the morning. Interesting. This is fascinating. I have a friend, I'm going to send her this podcast and she never wears makeup, but she also doesn't wash her face. And I'm like, just wash your face. Like, it's just like, to me, I feel like there's like the grime and the, like the oil and like the everything from the day. And I just like brushing my teeth. I just like to wash my face. I use Proven. I'm obsessed. So it's like a face wash 
and a moisturizer. So there's like a day moisturizer and a night moisturizer. And then like I also like get on my husband about this. Like he does not wash his face. And I'm like, look at your side of the bed on the white sheets and look at my side of the bed on like the <laughs> pillowcase. Like look at yours, which is like yellowed. Mine is not. Like there's something happening here because of that. So yeah, so exfoliating at least a couple of days. Yeah. And you know, I will say like, I have met plenty of people who don't wash their face and don't moisturize or they're doing like insane things. Like I have heard, like I use isopropyl alcohol to like tone my face. I'm like, Jesus, don't do that. But there are people who are genetically blessed with amazing skin and they can like roll their face in like whatever, and nothing changes. And they just happen to be genetically blessed. It will eventually catch up to them. That's what I feel like. I'm like, well, it's fine now. But when you're 50 or 60, you know, the wear and tear, whatever. That, yeah. There's so many different things that can affect skin in a negative way. Sun is a huge factor. I will say, you know, it is important for us to get our vitamin D. But, you know, Sun damage will age you faster than anything. And that that just is what it is, especially for people who tend to be more fair. Dehydration and, you know, the, the sun will make you age at a much faster pace. And sun damage is virtually irreversible, unfortunately, right? But other things that can affect it are your environment. If you're living in New York and you're living in LA and you're dealing with like a lot of environmental pollution that is going to wear on your skin and nutrition, huge dairy, gluten, sugar, things like that. They're going to show up on your face inevitably. Speaking of looking good, Today's episode is brought to you by Proven Skincare. I am so excited that Proven is a sponsor of our podcast. A couple of years ago, I started buying expensive skin creams instead of my drugstore face wash and moisturizer because my skin was looking a little rough. Literally, it looked rough on the surface. It never seemed hydrated and I was getting more and more wrinkles, but I had no idea what I needed and felt like I was throwing money away. That's why I love Proven. Proven created a personalized skincare routine that addressed my specific skin and its needs. I filled out a short questionnaire that asked me questions like, where do I live? Does my face feel tight when I get out of the shower? How much time do I spend in front of the screen? Important factors that affected the state of my skin. After using Proven's daily face wash, moisturizer, and night cream for only a couple of days, I kid you not, my face was visibly smoother. I couldn't stop looking at my face in the mirror. It was kind of bad. Even my husband saw a difference, and guys, he can't even tell when I cut my hair. Now I'm obsessed with Proven skincare and tell everyone about it, including you. Whether you're a bride or groom and you want to take extra good care of your skin so you're glowing from the inside out on your wedding day, or you're a regular person like me just trying to reverse the signs of aging, you need to use Proven. Visit ProvenSkincare.com and enter the code DESIREE for 20% off your purchase. Again, that's ProvenSkincare.com and enter the code DESIREE, that's D-E-S-I-R-E-E, to get 20% off your entire purchase at checkout. 
one thing I didn't want to talk about was I think, you know, our culture, we kind of alluded to it, is really into quick fixes these days with like all the swipes, like the before and after. And we don't have patience for good skincare. But I know there's like a lot of products out there that are like, look how fast it works, whatever. How far out from the wedding should brides and grooms be thinking about their skincare if they want to see a difference or a change before the wedding day? The second that you get engaged. Or now. Just do it now. Yeah. Right now, I will have to get fact-checked by my esthetician friends, my my friend Alexandra Angeloni in Boston. She's like my guru go-to as far as, you know, the facts of skincare are concerned. But from my understanding, it takes a full six weeks for any kind of skincare regimen to start showing noticeable effects. There are certain things that you can do like you know, to plump up the skin and to exfoliate the skin that you will see immediate results from, like an exfoliating mask, for instance. But by visibly noticeable, you know, to you, the person who's actually doing it, I would say a minimum of six weeks. There's billions of skincare options out there and it can get completely overwhelming. It's my job and it's overwhelming to me sometimes, you know, nothing that works for one person is necessarily going to work for the other. So it's a bit give and take. So you want to kind of set yourself up to have as much time as possible to kind of experiment and see what's working and to trade things out if they're not. I also say, give yourself a solid two full weeks. If you have some sort of a reaction or some, you know, anything that you're like, this burned, I'm red, this broke me out. You want to give yourself a full two weeks of not using that product in order for that to clear up. So that's why we say it's so important not to just like randomly start trying things like a week before your wedding. Like that's just the worst possible thing that you can do. I always recommend if you can find an esthetician that is close to you, that has a good reputation make an appointment with them for a consultation. And if you can find a great esthetician, somebody who is going to really get to know your skin, figure out what your current routine is, make recommendations, give you treatments that are appropriate for your skin, that will be invaluable because they will have a much better idea of, okay, your skin reacted this way to this treatment. So since your wedding is 10 months away, we're going to schedule you for this many of these treatments leading up to it. Like they're going to be able to figure it out for you because it's, it's hard to figure it out, to know exactly what's best for you. I always say like default to the experts, you know, I typically come across two different types of brides. One who does nothing. And I have to say like, this is face wash, this is moisturizer, you know, this is eye cream, that kind of stuff. And then the other far end of the spectrum, they're like, they use everything and they do all the things. And, you know, when they ask me for suggestions, I'm like, you're good. (laughs) I think that you are, it really comes down to what you're seeing. If you look in, look in the mirror, you want to notice what your skin is doing, what you're not liking and what you wish that it would do instead. And then you can kind of consult with the experts and figure out a regimen leading up to it. Okay, so now we're going to segue into the spirit focus aspect of our interview because we mentioned the spirit aspect. When we say spirit focused, 
approach to wedding beauty. What does that mean? The probably the best way for me to describe it is when we look back on momentous occasions and formative experiences of our lives, we can be transported basically by remembering how we felt during those times. So a skin and spirit focus is my approach to saying it is important that we do everything that we can physically, emotionally, and energetically to get you into a place where you feel pampered, completely relaxed, and that will allow you to feel really taken care of so that you can be present and enjoy the day. As you know, as a planner, like wedding days fly by, right? And so many things. There are so many things and all of the hard work and the attention to detail and everything, you know, if you start your morning in this way, the chances of you being able to really take in the day in its entirety because you're present will be much more, you know, high for you. There's lots of tricks and things that I do, but a lot of it has to do with just kind of first recognizing on just like a human level that it's extremely, it's a vulnerable place to be sitting in a makeup chair, you know, to have somebody really up in your space, staring and into your eyes, looking at every flaw, every pore, every hair. Honestly, every time a new client sits down in my chair, she apologizes for something, you know, just, I'm sorry I'm broken out. I'm sorry I didn't get enough sleep. I'm sorry for my sun damage. I'm sorry. You know, we all do it. And it's immediate that I want to just say, we're not apologizing. You know, you're here. I am here. And it's just an exchange of energy. Once you get somebody who's feeling nervous or vulnerable and like to know that they're in trusted hands and that you're there exclusively, it is my job to completely decompress you and to get you to trust me and surrender to the process, knowing that I have your best interests in at heart, where I know that I want to like, you know, part of like being a mom, like I want to like really nurture and take care of my brides tremendously and their moms and everybody who's with them. And it's hard for people to, you know, allow themselves to be truly seen. So there's just a number of things that we do to kind of relax them and get them to the point where they can surrender to the process. And when that happens, they feel incredible. Like a hundred percent of my clients get back to me and they say, I'll never forget how you made me feel. I think it's also like an authentic, genuine curiosity for wanting to know somebody's true preferences how they want to be seen, how do they want to feel, what are they concerned about, what can you do to kind of chill them out. So yeah, the skin and spirit focus. It's not just a show up, do and go, goodbye. I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and it also is, it's kind of like a selfish thing because it allows me to feel so personally fulfilled by my job. In my career is, you know, to feel like I am instrumental in making women on an extremely significant high stakes day feel like 
they are not going to completely freak out. I love that. And I feel like that you and I are very similar in our approaches to the wedding day because, you know, if you're doing your job, I'm doing my job. Really, it's so that they, the bride, can feel so carefree, stress-free, and joyful on that wedding day. I had one bride that was like, I could cry just thinking about how happy and present I was on the wedding day that I think you and I, that's just what we want, right? You will feel beautiful and glowing and radiant because of what's going on internally and trusting you and having that, you know, being open, opening themselves up to you and being able to express those worries and concerns, but really like letting go of them and just being like so free about all of it on the wedding day so that you can look and feel gorgeous. Oh, I think that's such a great approach. <laughs> that's just, that's, <laughs> it just makes sense, you know, that, that you it take that approach with it. Thanks. So going along with that, I know that you also see, you know, who is there during the getting ready portion, which I feel like I'm not there because I'm setting up the venue, the ceremony, whatever, all these things. And you get a firsthand, you know, whatever, eyewitness perspective on what's happening during the getting ready, who's there, the energy, because that makes and breaks like the rest of the day for so many. So from what you've seen and like you're based on your approach, who do you think should the brides be surrounding themselves with on their wedding day? And how does that kind of influence the rest of, you know, your philosophy? This is a really personal decision by the bride. There are some brides that love the party and they want to be surrounded by everything and everyone. And they want the music and they want the drinks and they want the dancing and all of that. Personally, I tend to, you know, obviously we're honoring people's preferences, but I tend to recommend a less is more approach. I think it's knowing that they're going to be expending so much energy at the party, surrounded by people. The emotions are high, the dancing. It's a long day. It's like a marathon, right? So personally, I feel that the getting ready process in the morning should be as like chill and zen as possible and restorative. Typically it's like following a pretty major welcome party the night before. Maybe people are a little rough around the edges, a little tired, a little sleep deprived or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's best to create a really chill environment. So this is something that I have a conversation with my brides about, usually at their trial preview. It's like, is there anyone in your wedding party that you notice just makes you a little irritable, a little cranky, a little bit self-conscious? Anything that you feel like somebody kind of triggers, like the energy being off a little bit. So we'll have a conversation about that. Do they absolutely need to be there? If the answer is yes, for a variety of reasons, and that's none of my business, I will help them say, okay, you know, let's say, for instance, like a classic example is like 
my mother-in-law, like, I want to include her. I love her, but I don't know her that well. And I feel like I'm going to be nervous around her. I will always suggest, okay, we want her to feel amazing. We want her to feel included, but we're going to schedule her to be the first service of the day. And she'll be the one to kind of take that, maybe the earlier spot. We're going to get her feeling great. And then we're going to send her out to go hang out with her family, the groom's side or whomever, so that then that preserves that time to be a little bit more sacred for the people that you're the closest with. That's one thing. Bridal party size, that's also something that seems to be not just you know, a personal preference, but it seems to be transforming. Like now that we're, we have COVID in the rear view mirror when we had these like micro weddings and these tiny parties or no parties, we're seeing a lot since last year, at least I'm sure you saw like the, the rise of large parties. Another one of the conversations that I have when it comes to that is really pay attention to the space that you're getting ready in. The space is huge. How large of a space is it compared to how many people that you're going to be in? If you're at a hotel and the hotel is like a standard hotel room with like two queen beds or something, and you're trying to fit 12 people in there and a hairstylist and a makeup artist and all of their stuff, that is just going to be a chaotic environment to get ready in. We always do, you know, make it work, but we want to try to, you know, talk about this in advance. I always set up my makeup chair in a spot where the view is amazing because I want that to be peaceful and serene. Ideally, that's it, it's an environment where that is possible. <laughs> you know, a water view would be lovely or, you know, something <laughs> right. where you're not seeing like vendors loading things right. in and stuff like that. We're like, ah, you know, you're late. So we just kind of have a conversation like, what do you like to surround yourself with? Another thing that is important is music. I always bring a portable speaker with me and I have a conversation like, what's your musical preferences? And I want to put something that's like going to be really chill, not too sleepy, but not too, you know, rocking, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning when people are like, no, I don't want that. So yeah, there's a lot to go into as far as curating that morning to be the best space for you to chill and relax. Also considering once flowers arrive and the photographer comes and the planners arrive when usually is around when either the bride is like kind of just finishing up or ideally that's when we try to time that for. And then at that point, emotions are going to be extremely high. We just want them to be in a place where there's the least moving parts possible. People coming in and out asking questions like we want to really shield them from that at that point. Obviously, if they have a planner, you are the person to go to for all of those things. But that's the things that I see stressing out the brides the most on that morning is people coming in unnecessarily like, oh, cousin Allison wants to come in and say hi. And is that okay with you? It's like, let's just make this like a super sacred place. And then another thing that we do is we say like, if you need a fall guy, if you need like a bad guy, blame me. Tell them that like your makeup artist is a total diva and she cannot possibly have more than this many people in the room. Like whatever, like I'll be your fall guy. If you need somebody to blame because you just don't want to make somebody hurt somebody's feelings because 
we also know the opposite happens all the time where, you know, people get real bent out of shape and real offended and feel like not included. And, you know, feelings are very tender, especially on wedding days. So, you know, I do my best to try to guide them and also you know, shield them from as much of it as possible. Right. Yeah. I feel like you and I are the same way. Cause I'm like, I'll be the bad guy. You can blame me. That's fine. They won't see me. Again. I mean, maybe they'll want to work with me, but maybe not. But you know, I want to protect you how you feel. Cause that's the most important thing. And there's definitely like different energy, lots of energy coming into that is definitely going to affect how you're going to feel on the wedding day too. So totally. I agree with that. And then you touched on this a little bit, but I want to come back to it. I know that you love to pamper the wedding party, which I think is awesome. And I just feel like what you mentioned about like it feeling more zen. I mean, just thinking when you go to a spa and you're pampering yourself and you're just relaxed and you're calm and you have your cucumber water and you're just like, this is awesome that, you know, you're happy. I would love that feeling on the wedding day. So when you talk about pampering, what are you guys actually doing to make that or to make time for that too? We have come up with a signature pamper session for all of our brides. And it's something that just kind of organically happened when Renee and I just started thinking of different ways that we can kind of elevate the experience for them. And also mainly thinking about like what we would have wanted on, on our wedding days. You know, people are investing a lot of money, a lot of time into this. So what we do is we do a joint tandem pamper session. So we have our bride sit in the chair and Renee in the back and I will be on the front and I do a very extensive skin prep, you know, the cleanse, exfoliating, moisturizing, that whole thing or whatever is you know, appropriate under eye gels. I do a lot of facial rolling, microcurrent treatment, jade roller. I do hand massage, a full like upper arm treatment because, you know, unless somebody's wearing a very long sleeved gown, hands, arms, any exposed skin need love, decollete. And then while that whole thing is happening, Renee is doing a scalp massage, aromatherapy. She has this insane, super bougie Mason Pearson brush and she like brushes their hair. Like, you know how good it feels when somebody brushes your hair. <laughs> and then we have, and then she uses a Theragun. We have like a little mini Theragun. And so really that's like a good 15, 20 minutes before any services are done. And we're just taking that time to say, okay, music, clear your mind, everything quiet, peaceful. And we're going to just ring out whatever nerves or stress you may still be holding on to. We're going to get it out of you. And the whole time we're kind of like, just constantly like talking, like, how does this feel? Do you want more pressure? Do you want less pressure? You know, there's nothing where it's like, if you go get like a pedicure and you feel nervous, I know I always feel nervous because, you know, I don't want to be like harder, do it harder. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh. but I always want to say like, you know, you can like go for it. So we're always just checking in because people don't always volunteer that information of their preferences. So we're like completely tuned in to what is working for them and what doesn't. And it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It just sounds amazing listening to it. I feel like 
I mean, everyone should just start every day like that because I feel like just, you know, focusing on that and then letting it go and that will just really clear your mind and then just really help you focus on like being present and enjoying the rest of the day and just setting the tone for how the rest of the day is going to go is so important. So yeah, everyone should do that. Please copy them or just work with Erica and Renee because they're amazing. (laughs) Do that. But if you can't because you're too far away, you should figure out a way to incorporate that into your own wedding beauty routine for sure. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, so I think we kind of talked about it a little bit, but more so now. So a lot of my clients, like I said, they want to look like themselves on their wedding day, but a lot of them aren't super into beauty. They don't really know a lot about how to convey what they're looking for. Can you give us some tips on how to speak with beauty professionals so that clients, so the brides can convey themselves and get the results that they're actually looking for or any tips around that? Yes, absolutely. The first thing that I will I will say is Pinterest is not the best place to look for references off the bat, especially with makeup. Most of the looks that you will find as inspiration on Pinterest is like Photoshop to hell. It is completely unrealistic, lit and edited and filtered. And, you know, it's not real. It's not real. So I always say, if you have a, if there's a celebrity out there that maybe shares your hair color, your skin tone, your eye color, maybe you resemble them or you kind of want to resemble the way that they look like, Google their red carpet beauty photos. Red carpet is the best place to get inspiration for hair and makeup looks because these people are in real life settings, you know, they're being photographed by a million different angles and the lighting is sometimes harsher. Sometimes you're in daylight, sometimes you're in inside light and it's a lot more realistic. And you will notice that the majority of, of celebrity red carpet beauty is very skin focused. You know, most, if not all of their makeup artists are doing very heavy skin prep prior to doing makeup. And that's why their skin looks like so flawless and glowing and perfect. So that is number one. Instagram, I want everyone to go on to their hair and makeup providers, Instagrams and websites too, but mainly Instagram, I would say these days is where you're going to see like the most, like the largest body of their work and look closely at all of their work. And hopefully you hired them because you love their work. So show them examples of images that they've posted of clients that they've worked on before to say, I love the way that she looks here. Okay. And then another trick that I think is interesting is I always ask my clients, I would like to see your favorite photos of yourself. I want people to show me, you know, it could be their Facebook profile picture, their, you know, LinkedIn profile picture, or just like a picture that they love the way that they look in. This is an indication of how your client prefers to be seen by others, right? It's important that you as a makeup artist have a really deep understanding of what your client's preferences are and then where they would ideally like to go so that you can figure out a way to manage expectations and get them there or at least get them somewhere close. A lot of it is also just communication. I think it's 
I hear a lot that makeup artists are not asking enough questions to really get to know their clients enough. They are like, people are flashing them a picture and then they say, are you dry or oily? And then they just go for it. And that's when, you know, things that are not nuanced or personalized can happen. Renee and I, our trial previews, the first almost entire hour of meeting a client, we're only talking and sharing references. We, our trial preview is a minimum of three hours per client because we are going so deep into personal preferences. And we want to get our clients to a point where they can feel really comfortable saying what they like and what they don't like. We want to see images like if you've had your makeup done before for your sister's wedding and you hated it. I want to see those pictures. I want to see it. And then another way that I think is important and a good way for people to communicate with their makeup artist is when you're looking at references, I want you to have a conversation and say, I like this, but this is specifically what I like about this. And then I want you to say, I see this. What do you see? And then the makeup, like somebody will come to me and set and show me a picture, for instance, and they'll say like, I love a smoky eye. And I look at the picture and it's not a smoky eye. In my mind, it's not a smoky eye. It doesn't mean that it's not a smoky eye to them, but I need to pull out the information to figure out what do they mean by smoky? Is it the, the softer liner? Or is it, you know, the fact that there's a little bit of liner underneath? Like there's just so many ways to do it. Don't be afraid. And then I would say lastly, if you find yourself in a situation where you've just had your makeup done and you look in the mirror and there is something that you don't love about it, every makeup artist wants you to tell them what to change. Every makeup artist wants to make their clients happy. Some may have, you know, struggle with ways to do it more effectively, but they still want to know. So I know it's so hard. People get so uncomfortable. I know I do too. Like you don't want to insult anybody, but it's going to be so much better when you look at this as like a team effort collaboration where you can say, can you lighten the crease up? It's a little heavy for me. Can you give me a little bit more brightness under my eyes? Can you soften the lip color a little bit? Like it's making me feel like I don't really know. Like make sure that you speak up. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to be mean or <laughs> insulting or anybody, but we're not taking it personally in the sense of like, you know, like we're an artist and you're like hurting our egos. Like we really want that exchange to be mutual and we want our clients to be happy in order for us to feel like we did a good job. Yeah, I completely agree. I know for my sister when she was getting, I think it was just for her wedding shower, but she got her hair done. She's like, oh no, I want like soft waves. And then the hairstylist gave her waves because it's more of a wavy hair. And she was like, no, I don't want that at all. And I was like, no, like that's exactly what you asked for. Like, I think she did it right. She was like, no, but I wanted curled. And like, that's not a wave. That Those are curled. Anyways, reference photos. I think it's very true what you said is that like what you see and what you think it is could be interpreted differently from what the artist is going to be doing. So I think agreeing on that. Yeah. Yeah. 
there are plenty of makeup artists who, for a variety of reasons, like they work very fast and they may not reserve much time in the service for conversation. Just insist, insist that you have a conversation before and after because you're paying for a service. Like at the end of the day, like you've come to somebody to get something that you want. You have to have a conversation to figure out if A, what you want is realistic. B, is what you want something that the person that you're asking to do, can they execute it, you know? And really having the conversation of like showing a picture, saying what you see, and then also asking what they see. You know, I know one of the things that Renee does constantly when somebody says like, you know, something like soft ways, she'll be like, because I don't know much about hair. There's like 10 different types of waves. Do you want a beachy wave? Do you want a glam wave? Do you want to see an S pattern? Do you want a full curl? You want a barrel? I mean, like, and most people don't know what they don't, they're not going to sit there and say like, I want the end, like the last inch to be like kind of straight and blunt. Like they're not going to be specific, but they're going to say, all right, based on what I'm doing, where I'm going, my hair type, how it tends to hold a curl. Are you wearing extensions? Are you going to be ocean somewhere? Are you going to be inside of a, you know, a ballroom somewhere? Like there's just so many factors that should go into it that in my opinion, demand a pretty extensive conversation, especially when it comes to wedding day beauty. No surprises. We don't want surprises. I agree. Oh, we could talk forever. Okay, but we're going to get to now (laughs) some questions from our listeners. This is from This Is Catherine, who asks, how can you make red lipstick stay and not transfer onto the drinks or onto the groom on the wedding day? Which I feel like is a great question. That is a great question. And I am a huge red lip person. That being said, with makeup and especially lipsticks, I go down a deep rabbit hole as far as preferences, textures, and trade-offs. There are going to be trade-offs with lipsticks, texturally, depending on how you want it to stay. Luckily, there's some really amazing long wear red lip products. And I would say as a rule, if any of my brides want to do a red lip, unless it's something that they wear like as a signature thing every day. I had like one bride last year. She wore the dragon lady red, like chubby matte stick, like every day of her life. She knew what happened when she like kissed her husband with it or, you know, drank and she was comfortable with it. But otherwise I say, if you want a red lip, you got to go with a long wear. It's going to be a bit of a trade-off, sometimes texturally, sometimes the ingredients that set up and make it truly long wear, they can like sometimes be a little bit dry or sometimes kind of get a little bit cracky towards the end of the day, but you want to get a long wear. And when you find the right long wear for you, as long as it's applied perfectly, it's one of those things where you like it's not going anywhere. Like you can brush your teeth. It won't come off on your toothbrush. You can eat, you can drink, you can eat a salad. It's not coming off. You need like actual remover to take it off. My favorite long wears are by Dior. They have a series of long wear liquids and long wear lipsticks that are amazing. Chanel has a really good one as well. That's like a double ended one. And then for a drugstore brand, which is something that a colleague turned me on to years ago, she did all this research on long wear lipsticks. Rimmel 
Provocalypse, which I think is the worst name ever for <laughs> lipstick. God. But definitely made by a guy, I feel like. Provocalypse, right? <laughs> I used to wear the color berry seduction, which is like a little bit more of like a blue or red, almost every single day. And it's the kind of thing you put it on a dry lip and then you put a clear kind of gloss over it to set it up, and then you're good. It's not going anywhere. So Dior, Chanel, and the Rimmel London Provocalypse. Provocalypse. Testing them out. Seems a good idea. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, great. Our next question, which we kind of touched on a little bit, so I don't know if you have anything else to add. Do I have to include my future sisters-in-law and mother-in-law during getting ready if I'm not close with them? I like them, but I want my people to be me- with me during the wedding day. So we talked about the mother-in-law. We can kind of take care of her. What are your thoughts on like sisters-in-law and people like that? That's just like such a personal thing. You know, I will say this. Families, they hold on to things that happen on wedding days during like lead-ups to weddings in the same ways as funerals. And they don't forget anything. And where you just want to maybe be with your friends in 10, 15, 20 years, You may not talk to a few of the friends that were in that room that day, but your sister-in-law and your mother-in-law are going to be a big part of your life, whether you like it or not. So I would say figure out a way to include them and honor them to avoid any kind of hard feelings, knowing that eventually down the road, you'll probably be closer and you may feel a, a tinge of regret thinking that you didn't include them because you didn't know them well enough back then. That said, If they are like a real toxic nightmare, then I am all for, again, you know, blame your makeup artist. She can only handle five services. I'm sorry. You know, we're going to include you in a different way. I think that's, I am vigorously nodding my head as you're answering all these questions because I feel like, you know, I've been married for 13, 14 years now and things change, but the family is going to be there. For a very long time. And yes, like I think you're right, having a really good experience, all the energy, the right energy is very important, but thinking through the long-term repercussions with however you want to deal with it is something that you should definitely consider because things are just like, I think, magnified, exacerbated, held on to for weddings and family for just longer than you would think. You might not know this now, even if you've known their family for a while, Things change when you get married and when you bring kids into the situation. So it's just... You want those future babysitters in really good standing. Yes, (laughs) you do. (laughs) Okay. Next question was from one of your fans who asked, when should I be using a retinol and when should I discontinue it? I admittedly don't know a ton about retinol. Whenever you're dealing with anything, any like major active ingredient like that, I'm always going to default to a dermatologist or an esthetician or both. Sometimes you need both. My esthetician friend, Alexandra Angeloni in Boston, I think she's with the Philip Edward Salon. She is always saying that you want to discontinue any major active ingredients like a retinol a good one to two weeks prior to a makeup application because you want your skin to kind of like chill and rest. And sometimes those really active ingredients can cause peeling and 
if there is one rule in putting makeup on, it is that you want to put it on something that is not textural. So even when somebody, if somebody's peeling or if somebody had a zit that they like really blasted and it's kind of scabbed over a little bit or like picked at, makeup on top of that is just going to look like hell. So we want to keep your skin, even if there's like a real juicy blemish or, or, you know, something underneath there, we want to keep it as like hydrated and supple as possible for makeup applications purposes. Awesome. And then we'll, we can link to her in the show notes that if you guys want to follow them and ask them more about that, we can definitely do that. Well, Erica, it has been amazing talking with you. This has been wonderful. Is there anything else that you want to share that we haven't covered today that, we need to let our people know before we get into our last segment. There is one thing that I would like to discuss because I hear it all the time and it drives me insane. This notion that you need more makeup because of photos. It is just not true. There are so many ways to layer product and blend product out and techniques that will allow you to use the art of restraint using the least amount of pigmented product possible that will still translate beautifully in photographs. So if you get a makeup artist who says, well, you need this for photos, say, no, you don't. <laughs> it needs to be a good balance. And you want to hope that the makeup artist understands your photographer's style and the lighting and the weather and the environment that you're going to be photographed in, make appropriate choices because of that. But I always say you want to be able to translate beautifully in photos, but really you want to be a foot away from somebody standing in broad daylight and not have them go, Jesus Christ, <laughs> what is all over their face? They look insane. And I see a lot of that. And that may translate in some photos. Okay. But you really like, I just need everybody to like use less. Right. I love that. I think that's very, very telling, guys, of what, you know, people are assuming is true or they're hearing, and it doesn't have to be that way. Thank you for coming out on and saying that. Okay, so now we're going to get to our last segment, which is called This or That. So you're just going to answer with what comes to your mind first. So did some wedding beauty, some, some just normal wedding, mascara or lipstick? On a naked face, I always choose lipstick. It's the most transformative if you just need quick little like I'm here. Yeah. My grandmother always said never go out without any lipstick, which is her, <laughs> but like, I think it was cute. I hope there's my dog. Sorry. It's instantly transformative. Next question. Um, she has dogs. It's great. Next question. <laughs> eyeliner or blush? Eyeliner or blush? Blush. Blush. Mm. Yeah. I'm an eyeliner person, but I feel like I just look weird without it. Three contouring or no contouring. Ugh, it depends. But I would say for the general population, no contouring because you end up looking dirty and sweaty in broad daylight if you're not doing it right. Yeah, I don't even know how to do it. I just know that people do it. <laughs> and Most I'm like, people don't. Should I do that? <laughs> no. At weddings, kids or no kids? No kids. I think that's most people say that. <laughs> you're not the only one. Sweetheart cake and lots of desserts. That's option one or a big wedding cake. All the desserts. All the desserts. As many as possible. Mm -hmm. All matching bridesmaids' dresses or coordinating dresses, but different? Different. I'm so into different dresses. Me too. I keep asking this, hoping that people will change their minds. Like people that are listening. <laughs> We're going to convince you to just do the different dresses. Okay. Band or DJ? 
Unpopular opinion. I love a DJ. I want to hear the song. I don't want to hear a cover of the song. I feel the same way. Dramatic entrance at the reception or a final send-off? I like a final send-off. Erica, it was so lovely talking to you. We're out of time. I really appreciate all of your time with us. This was awesome. Before we so go, fun. yay, we'll have to have you back. Can you let our listeners know where to find you online? Sure. So our website is actually being rebuilt this month, but our website is ericareneebeauty.com. So it's E-R-I-C-A-R-E-N-E-E beauty.com. And then also on Instagram, which is where we're most active is at Erica Renee Beauty. My personal one, which is not so personal, but more just specifically makeup is Erica T. Martell. We'll put that all in our show notes. Erica, thank you so much for being with us today. It was so lovely having you. Thank you, Desiree. And that concludes today's episode with Erica Martell from Erica Renee Beauty. I hope what she said resonated with you and you're able to incorporate some or all the insights she shared into your regular and wedding beauty routine. I'm definitely going to look into an exfoliator for my face. I don't think I do that at all. But I do love those Bure pore strips that pull out all that gunk from your pores. Do you use those? I feel like they've been around since I was in high school, which is a long time ago. I love putting that little strip against the white paper afterward to see everything that came out. I know it's really gross, but it's really gratifying. If you don't know what I'm talking about, message me and I'll send it to you. I also saw someone hawking a pore vacuum that basically sucks out all that gross stuff from your pores. It's like a vacuum because there's like water coming out that mixes with it. I have no idea if it works, but I'm very intrigued. If you have one of those, let me know because I would just love to know if it actually works. They're pretty expensive, but I'm like, if it works, it'd be awesome. Do you have any fave beauty products or routines? Let me know in your podcast review and I will share it with our listeners in a future episode. Also, if you've been around the podcast for a while, you probably know that I'm a big fan of the Proven Skincare line. I love it so much. I went out and became an ambassador for them. I don't talk about it a lot, but I love it so much and will tell anyone all about it. It's a customized skincare routine just for you. And as Erica said, what works for some people may not work for others, which is why I love that Proven tailors each face wash, moisturizer, and night cream to each person. They don't have an exfoliator yet because I just checked, but hopefully they're going to add one soon. They did just add a new eye cream duo, which I got for free in my last shipment, and I'm testing it out, and I'm going to report back to you guys. If you want to know more about the Proven Skincare line, go to verveventco.com forward slash proven. I'll also link to it in the show notes, but I'm seriously obsessed with it, guys. It works so well, and my skin looks so much better after using it. I didn't like my skin before because it would like peel and then it would be dry and it would be rough. And literally after like a couple weeks, I noticed my skin was looking so much better and it just like kind of glowed and looked dewy. And my husband even noticed that he noticed nothing ever. So I was just like, this is the best thing ever. And I'm obsessed. I feel like I need to use it all the time and I'm never going to stop using it until I die. But anyways, moving on, if you have any follow-up questions for Erica or me, make sure you send me a DM on Instagram at Ask the Planner Podcast, or you can call the Wedding Planning Hotline at 585-210-3467. Again, that's 585-210-3467. 
I am also going to be going live with Erica this week on Instagram to answer your wedding and beauty and skincare questions. So make sure you're following the Ask the Planet podcast on Instagram. We're going live on Wednesday, February 22nd at 7 p.m. So if you're listening to this when it originally aired, it's this coming Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Always, you can check out our episode show notes at verveventco.com forward slash 87. Again, that's verveventco.com forward slash 87. Make sure you give Erica a shout out on Instagram. Her Instagram is Erica Renee Beauty and Erica T. Martell on Instagram. We're going to make sure to note those in the show notes as well. Okay, now it's time for our review of the week. Today's review comes from Emmy Sayre, E-M-I-C-E-R, who writes five stars, wonderful, exclamation point. Desiree has such a fun, organized, and beautiful eye when it comes to weddings. I know she would never steer me wrong from wedding etiquette, vendor relationships, to tablescapes, and personal little touches. She makes wedding planning seem manageable and fun, and her podcast breaks down so many of her ideas in digestible snippets. Yay! Thank you so much for that really kind review, Emmy. Yes, I do love me some etiquette. That is definitely my Enneagram 2 wing 3 coming out for sure. If you haven't left the podcast a review yet, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let me know what you're loving, who you want to hear more of, if you want me to interview a specific couple or a specific vendor, all the things. We are up to 69 reviews on Apple Podcasts, and I would love it if we could end the season having reached 100 reviews. We've got a little bit of ways to go, but I know we can do it. Also, don't worry, season three isn't going to end until May, so I'm not going anywhere yet, but please keep those reviews coming in. Now for an update on our wedding podcast listener names. This is technically, if you're listening to this live, the last week to submit a name for what you, our podcast fans, are going to be called. If you are new to the show, we are having a naming contest, and the winning submission, the one that people vote on and like the most, gets a one-hour all-access call with me to talk about whatever literally you want, putting together your budget, your wedding design, like just pick my brain, whatever you want. I talked to a couple last week, and they were having a fusion wedding. So one wedding was going to be in India, one wedding was going to be in New York City, and they couldn't figure out how to make them both distinct and different and special, and they couldn't figure out the timing and the guest list and all these things. So we worked through everything, and they felt so much better after our call. I could just see it in their bodies. It was awesome. I felt really good after. I'm like, I'm so glad I do this. But anyways, literally whatever you want, I'm yours. So all entries will be accepted until the end of this month, February, at which time our community is going to vote. So leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your suggestion, and I will update you guys next week on our final list. If you're not sure what I'm talking about when you're like, oh, what do you mean by a name? For example, Taylor Swift fans are called Swifties. Rihanna calls her fans the Navy. So we need something for you because I think you are more special than just a listener. So our suggestions so far are ATPs, as in the initials of the podcast, or the plannies, which kind of sounds like panties. Sorry. ATP party, kind of like wedding planning party or like wedding party or bridal party, but ATP party, kind of fun. Believe verbs or love verbs, which is a play on my wedding planning company, Verve. 
also proteges or planning proteges. So I like these. I like them even more if you guys like them. So let me know what you think. Because obviously you don't mean me calling you something that's going to annoy you because you're going to stop listening to me. Hmm, that would be so sad. So anyways, let me know what you think or what you don't like. And we're going to vote. That is it for this week's episode. Again, if you're listening to this live when it originally aired, I'm going live on Instagram with Erica from this week's episode on Wednesday, February 22nd at 7 p.m. Eastern. So send us your wedding beauty, skincare, or getting ready questions. I hope you have a wonderful week. I may be on Instagram a little bit less because it is a winter break for my kids. So we're going to try to do some skiing. I don't know because this weather's been terrible, but I will definitely be back next week. Thank you again for joining me today. I can't wait to talk to you on our upcoming podcast episodes. We're talking about different kinds of wedding venues, Invisalign, beauty fitness, being bombarded with all the advice from your parents and so much more. Have a wonderful week, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Ask the Planner. To make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion, visit asktheplannerpodcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you. 